You know, would it offend you tonight if I told you you smelled? Probably, wouldn't it? I mean, that, I, I have never seen that done in a complimentary way. You smell. But the truth is, we all do smell, don't we? I, I mean, we, we do. We, we, we do. That's not even meant in a negative way. I mean, you, you admit some type of odor from your body. And uh, we don't always have control of it. We do a lot of times, and so therefore we encourage you to, uh, to use that control in a very positive way. Amen? Because it benefits you and those around you. Well, this evening in 2 Corinthians 2, we're going to look at uh, an odor that Christians are to put off. And it's a great odor. It's a great aroma for Jesus Christ. This is an interesting passage that, again, it's one of those that... You just read it in your English Bible and you, you haven't studied it much or uh, it may not make a lot of sense because there's a lot of historical context to it. But we want to begin with this before we get into the smell of it tonight. We are true winners in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? We, we, are, re- we are true winners. How many of you like to be a part of a winner? Now, most of you know, when it comes to NFL football, I don't have a team. Well, I do. I have two teams. I have a team that's winning late in the season so I can enjoy the Super Bowl time, correct? And whoever the Cowboys are playing, right? Those are my two teams. But when you wait to the end to to have a team, you can always be happy at the end of the year, correct? My wife's been a Tennessee Titan Houston Oiler fan for years, and she has been in the Depression for about... Well, since the beginning of the organization in the early 60s. So, well, that's just true. That's not being brutal. But in Christ, we are winners. Look in verse 14. Verse 14. But thanks be to God who always, that's a key word, leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Now, a triumphal procession. How many of you off the top of your head, if I was to say, come up here and give us a two-minute thought on that besides Andy, or Perry maybe, how many of you would have a clue what this was talking about? You, you, probably not because, again, it's not, this is not a common thing in the world today. But a triumphal procession was something a victorious general was granted by the Senate in Rome. It only took place in the city of Rome. It probably only took place uh, once in the lifetime of a person because it's very rare. But I want to read to you what a triumphal procession was like and, and this, this is the context where Paul says, as a Christian, we are always in triumphal procession in Christ. Now, a triumphal procession was a Roman triumph. It, it, was, it was awarded to a conqueror. It was the highest honor which could be given to a victorious Roman general. To obtain it, listen to the conditions that had to be satisfied. He must have been the actual commander in the, chief, in the field, the chief in the field. The campaign must have been completely finished. The region pacified. 
The victorious troops brought home, listen to this, 5,000 at least of the enemy must have fallen in one engagement. Now, that's, that's huge. You, you captured or killed 5,000 in one engagement. A positive extension of territory must have been gained for your country or for Rome. Not merely a disaster retrieved or an attack repelled. And the victory must have been won over a foe and not in a civil war, not just internal fighting, but over an, uh, an external foe. In a triumph procession, the victorious general marched through the streets of Rome to the capital in this order. First came the state officials and the senate. Then came the trumpeters. Now, there's people all lined the streets. You've got to picture this. It's a huge parade. They were carrying the spoils from the conquered land. For instance, when Titus in A.D. 70 conquered Jerusalem... They came marching through Rome with a seven-branched candlestick, the golden table of showbread, and the golden trumpets were carried through the streets of Rome. That was a bad day for Judaism, Christianity, and God. Then came pictures of the conquered land and models of the conquered citadels and ships. They were followed by the white bull of sacrifice, which was going to be slaughtered for their gods. Then there walked the captive princes, leaders, and generals in chains, shortly to be flung into prison and almost all certainty to be uh, immediately executed. Then came the lictors bearing their rods, followed by musicians with their instruments. Then the priests, this is important, swinging their censers with the sweet-smelling incense burning in them. And after them came the general himself. He stood in the chariot drawn by four horses. He was clad in a purple tunic and brought her with gold palm leaves and over it a purple toga marked with a golden star. And in his hand was an ivory scepter with a Roman eagle at the top. And over his head a slave held the crown of Jupiter. After him rode his family, and finally, here came the, the army wearing all their decorations and shouting the cry of triumph. As the procession moved through the streets, all decorated and garlanded amid the cheering crowds, it made a tremendous day, which again probably only happened once in a lifetime, and it was so unbelievable. If you ever got to experience it, you never forgot it. Here's what God said. Folks, Jesus Christ left heaven to come to earth. God became man. He lived over 33 years on this earth, 100% God and 100% man, and he never sinned. That's a miracle. Amen. He died on that cross for the sins of the world, not your sins or my sins. I mean, my sins and your sins, not his sins. But a lot of people have died for a lot of things, but he did something no one else has ever done. Three days later, he walked out of the tomb, and he pushed it aside. And 40 days later, he ascended to, to heaven, and he sits on the throne, and someday he's coming back. Folks, Jesus got a greater victory than all the Roman generals combined. And what this says is, is in Christ, you and I, we walk always, not once in a lifetime, not once every 20 years when a general gets the victory or 40 years, but we live in triumphal procession because of what Jesus did. Jesus is the general. Are you following me? And we are walking with him even in this life in triumphal procession saying, in Christ, we have already won the victory. Folks, that's good stuff, isn't it? 
That is good stuff. Now, some scholars debate, was Paul saying that we're like the slaves being led to slaughter? I don't believe that at all. I believe we're part of the family, walking along, celebrating with the general. I want you to go back and look in verse 14. He says, but thanks be to God who always, who always leads us in triumphal procession. Now, folks, I struggle with this, and I'm going to bet most of you struggle with this. We don't need to live in defeat here on this earth. We are winners in Christ Jesus. Yes, we're still in the game, and the game is tough, and you get bruised, and you get banged up in the game. But, man, live in the fact in Jesus Christ, we've already won. Our generals already conquered. And life can be tough, and people are throwing eggs at us while we're in that parade. But you know what? With a little egg on your face, you still won. Amen? Enjoy the rides, what God's saying. We've won it in Jesus Christ. That's good, good stuff. Now, here's the second thing he, he starts unfolding to us. As we live in this triumphal procession, our lives and words should proclaim Christ. They should be proclaiming Christ. Okay, we live in this victory with Jesus. We walk in this triumphal procession with Jesus. And what we say and how we live should be proclaiming him to the world. Look in verse 14 again. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Let's look at some of these words. That word spreads means to make manifest. It means to reveal or to make known. You notice he says we make known, we spread everywhere, literally all places. You see, some of us want to be good Christians at church and live another way at work. Or we want to be a, a good Christian here in our connection group class, but we're not necessarily going to do that at home. God said, no, listen, this is an everywhere gig that we spread the fragrance, the aroma of Christ. Listen to what he says here, too. The fragrance of the knowledge of him. The word knowledge there doesn't just mean an academic experience. It means an experiential knowledge. It means an exact knowledge. It means that you are saved, you have experienced Christ. Here's the difference in a lost man and a saved man. A lost person can know about Christ, but a saved person knows Christ. You following me? See, a lot of people know about Christ. A saved person has experienced Christ. And he says, as we live this life of victory, we live it for Jesus Christ. And we are to live it to proclaim Christ. Folks, I want to tell you, one of the big reasons Jesus has left you and me here is so that we will make manifest the name of Jesus Christ every where we go in this world. That we let the world know that we're followers of Jesus. That we spread his aroma everywhere. Several years ago in Florida, a lifeguard was fired. You know why he was fired? He saved someone who was drowning outside his zone. Do any of y'all remember reading this story? He's sitting, on a, he's sitting on his lifeguard chair, and he's told if someone's drowning over here, that's outside your area. You don't save them. Someone was drowning. He left his chair and saved that person's life, and he was fired. You know what? If I could find that guy, I would shake his hand, and I would tell him I'd pay his salary for a week. Amen to that. A lifeguard doesn't just save people in their zone. A lifeguard saves people who are drowning, correct? 
Christians, listen, what God's saying is we are to spread the fragrance of Jesus everywhere. I understand you have things at work or at school that you do have to honor to some extent. No question about that. But I want to tell you, you need to tell people about Jesus. You need to be spreading the fragrance of Jesus around. We have put our lives in segments. We said, this is my religious life. This is my church life. This is my business life. This is my life at a tech ball game. This is life at school. That's not how it's meant to be. You're supposed to be spreading Jesus everywhere you go. You don't have a zone. Everywhere is your zone. People can get saved in Dairy Queen. People can get saved in a bar. People can get saved in jail. It happens all the time. God forbid they even want to get saved in church occasionally. Amen? This makes us a little uncomfortable. I bet if you were to talk to some of our older preachers, they would agree with me. Back 25 years ago when I started pastoring, started preaching, being a soul winner was promoted. And you'd go to conferences and you would hear preachers talk about winning people to Christ and how we ought to do that. You know what? You don't hear that much anymore. That's a terrible thing. We'd rather rather talk about theology or philosophy or uh, we'd rather talk about different angles or this or that or the other. But folks, I want to tell you, winning people to Christ needs to always be on the front burner for people who really love Jesus Christ. It's not a gift. It's a passion of the heart. I saw a cartoon I thought was funny. A pastor and one of his church members were standing outside a door, and the church member was shaking. He said, I I really wanted to learn about evangelism, but I had no idea. It meant we were going witnessing. We're like that, aren't we? We don't mind studying doctrine until it requires us to do something. God says, man, in that triumphal procession, we are to be spreading Christ. You are an evangelist. Romans 10, 13 is one of my favorite verses. Listen to what it says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many of you agree with that? You better. I mean, you're going to heaven based on that verse being true or not. Let's look at, but but verse 14 is its twin sister we ignore. How then can they call on one they have not believed in? How can they believe in someone they, whom they have not heard of? And how can they hear unless someone preaches, literally shares the gospel with them? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. How are they going to hear and call on someone they don't know anything about? That's us telling them. 2 Corinthians 5.17. We'll be here in a few weeks. Listen to what. This is a great verse. Anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. How many of you like that? Man, that's great, isn't it? Let's look at the next three verses. Verse 18. All of this is from God. He's talking to us Christians now. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Look, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. That God was reconciling. This isn't talking about racial reconciliation. Human reconciliation. This is talking about salvation. Reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against him. Look at this. And he has committed the pastor's. That's what it says. He has committed us with the message of reconciliation. Look in verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassador. We are God's representative. You say, well, I'm just 15. I'm 14. I'm 10. You are God's ambassador if you're a Christian. As though God were making his appeal through us, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You are an evangelist, whether you want to be or not if you're a Christian. 
This triumphal procession, the priest is walking through the streets. He's swinging this incense, and it had an impact on everybody that it was infecting, and it was infecting everybody. Here's what God says as a Christian. Your life ought to be like that incense. You ought to be pouring Jesus everywhere you go. And like that incense and that procession had an impact, so does your life. Let's look at three of the impacts he talks of. One is your life ought to really honor the Father. It ought to really honor the Father. Verse 15, for we are to, to God, the aroma of Christ among those being saved and those who are, being, those who are perishing. Folks, what he's saying here when you tie these together, when we're spreading Christ everywhere, we are a sweet fragrance to the Father. When we witness to people with our life and our words, figuratively, we smell good to Jesus. We have a beautiful song, Jesus, 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 the sweetest name I know. I want to tell you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the sweetest smell the Father knows. And when we live our lives spreading Jesus everywhere we go, we honor God the Father. We're a sweet aroma to his life. Here's the second thing he says. That when we are doing this, when we're spreading Jesus, this will mean salvation for many people. It'll mean salvation. Verse 15, we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved, those who are being in, in death to those perishing. To the one, the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. The fragrance of life. Again, the priest is swinging that censer. And let me tell you, folks, if you, were, if you were a victorious Roman soldier or you were part of the family, that was a beautiful smell because that meant victory, man. That meant success. That meant you were fixing to go to a buffet and eat all you wanted on the government. I mean, that was the smell of victory. What he's saying here, folks, is that when we spread Jesus Christ, figuratively, we are the smell of life to people around us. Man, we, we give them hope. We give them a chance for a second chance, a third chance, a tenth chance for forgiveness and a home in heaven. Are you smelling up your world for Jesus? When I was in college, after I'd become a Christian, my lifestyle changed a little bit. My brother said something funny one time. He said, I can always tell when you've been in my apartment. I said, why? He said, because I can smell green polo and peanut butter used to be green polo and Budweiser. But green polo and peanut butter is not, it, that's probably not a good smell if you mix them. How many of you know what green polo cologne is? That when Clayton and I were in college, that was kind of our fraternity cologne. And I still have it. And it's funny, my wife says she doesn't like it. I'll put it on sometime. That smells good. What is it? And then I'll tell, no, it's not. <laughs> it's okay to be known by green polo and peanut butter. But you know what? We need to be known by the, that, that, that we, we are spreading the fragrance of Jesus around. And you know what that'll mean? That'll mean there's people going to hell that are going to come to heaven because you've been who you should be to them in their world. You believe the Bible? That's what the Bible says. Now here's the, the, the next thing, and this is kind of weird. Our lives and words also will harden some people. You ever thought about that? 
when you are being who you should be for Jesus, you're literally how you live and what you say will harden some people's hearts. Verse 15, for we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. To the one, the smell of death, the other, the fragrance of life. If you're in that triumphal procession and you're a captured prisoner, what do you think that incense smelled like to you? <laughs> I mean, they knew what was going to happen. They were going to be probably publicly displayed, maybe publicly tortured, and publicly executed. That sweet aroma of success to the Romans was the smell of death to them. Well, folks, I, I don't know certainly how all this works out and how this plays out, but this is the truth. That, that when you live for Christ and you love Christ and you share Christ, some people, that's going to make them reject you. That's going to make them harder. Same smell, same life, two totally different results. When I was in high school, we had a rival team that we played two years in a row, and they beat us two years in a row. And they had a big band, a big band. And every time they'd score a touchdown, they'd play their stinking fight song. In my junior year, they played it about seven times, best I remember. That was the song of victory to them. That was the smell of defeat to me. Same song. <laughs> it's sad how this works. And sometimes you'll see it turn around. Some people will be hardened and rejected by how we live and what we say and then they'll come to Christ. Some they may not. I don't understand that. I got, I got an email this week that I think stated the very true that some people are just repelled by success. They're repelled by happy people. They're repelled by good things. And they'll, they'll turn against it. You ever notice that? Our hope and prayer is that they will someday repent and turn toward it. But the truth is, is you live and in, in you're who you should be. You're the smell of life to some and the smell of death to others. Now, here's the last thing he tells us this evening. Man, sharing Christ is a wonderful, tough task. It's a wonderful, tough task. But keep proclaiming him to the world. Verse 16, the last part of it, he says, Who is equal to such a task? Who is equal to to being the fragrance of Christ to their world. Who is up to this? The word equal there literally means who is adequate, who is worthy, who is fit to be a proclaimer of Jesus Christ. Here's why some of you don't witness like you should. That's what you struggle with. I'm not worthy. I'm not adequate. I'm not up to it. Look what Paul says. Unlike so many, we don't peddle the word of Christ for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Paul's going to tell you the secret how to be the fragrance right here. He said some people, some people share Christ and share God for selfish reasons. In, in Paul's day, there were traveling evangelists like we have now. Some of them were itinerant traveling Jewish speakers. Some of them were philosophers. Many of them were what we would say in the old days, snake oil salesmen. They were crooked. It says they peddled the word of God for profit. It's literally the salesperson who watered down the wine so he could sell more wine. He was giving out more, but he was giving a cheap product. Here's what he says here, though. We don't do it for profit. We speak with sincerity. Now, I'm going to tell you something really easy right here. 
What do you need to do to share Christ with people and to live the Christian life? God lays that real simple. Just be pure. Just be sincere. You, you, you ought to study. You ought to pray. You ought to work to be a good witness. But the bottom line, if you want to be the witness for Christ, you need to be quit making excuses, quit sitting on your hands, quit saying it's not my gift, it's not my job, and just get up and start sharing Jesus to your world. The only requirement is a pure, sincere heart. Isn't that good? Don't, don't I need a doctor's degree, a master? No. You can have all those and have a corrupt heart. Just a sincere heart. There was an old evangelist named Bob Otten. Andy, you or Perry ever heard of Bob Otten? He's been dead for years now. Bob Otten, listen to how Bob Otten got saved. He lived in Chicago. He was known as a rather mean person. Here's how Bob Otten got saved. He's walking down the street in Chicago. A person runs up to him he'd never seen before, gives him a religious track, and is so scared, runs off. How many of you agree that's not the best evangelism method ever? Bob Otten takes that track home, reads it, and he gets saved and later becomes a preacher himself. Is that not incredible? I, I read a story in our Baptist message, our Baptist newspaper, a few, a few weeks or a few months back that a, a person had given a track to someone. Just given a religious track. Bridge to life is a great track. Bridge to life. Gave him a track. Person took it home with no intentions of looking at it. Before they went to bed, the lady said, I read it. Went to bed. Couldn't sleep. Got up, read it a second time. Put it aside. Thought it was stupid. Couldn't sleep. Got up, read it a third time. Put it aside. Got up and read it a fourth time and gave her life to Jesus that night. The man who had given her that track gave him the, his contact information, and she contacted him the next day and said, I gave my life to Jesus because of this little booklet you gave me yesterday. See, you don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be smooth. You just have to be sincere. That's what God honors, and you've got to do it. You've got to put out the effort to do it. I want to read to you something in closing. This was... This was written by a guy named John Murray. John Murray died in 1815. That was the year Dorman was born. That was a long time ago. Listen to what John Murray said. Now, this, is eight, this had to be the early 1800s in America. He said, Christians, go out to the highways and the byways of our country and give people that have been blanketed with decaying and crumbling and bad theology, give them a new vision. You may possess only a small light. You may not understand much of your light, but uncover it and let it shine. Use it in order to bring light and understanding to the hearts of men and women. Give them hope. Give them courage. Give them Jesus. Don't push them deeper into theological confusion or despair, but preach the kindness and the everlasting love of God 210 years ago, amen, and that's exactly what we need to do today. You're a winner in Christ. Live like it. Embrace it and help as many other people as you can come to that Savior that you found, Jesus Christ.
this evening, if you don't know Christ, come give your life to him tonight. Come in a moment and give Jesus your heart. Greatest thing you can do. You'd like to join our church, we'd love for you to do that. You can come and do that in a moment when we stand. Christian, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Maybe tonight you need to move to the altar, move to, to come talk to a minister. And not just stay where you are and let's sing and then let's go home. But really, I challenge you tonight. Man, choose to let God use you to be a fragrance of life to our world. Let's stand. Wayne's going to lead us. And as we do.